Hello and welcome to the fifth and final, uh, for now, Bonfireside Chat special. This is the top five NPCs, and this time I am joined by CJ and Patty of Twin Humanities. Uh, as per always, you have the Souls of Darkness Kickstarter backers to thank for this. Thank those guys very much for helping me make a thing I really want to make. Uh, thanks to CJ and Patty. And then also, uh, thanks to your own sense of grace and forgiveness. Um, again, when I record these, I don't have... All the mixing gear and stuff that Patreon buys uh, lives at Cole's house, which just, you know, just makes sense. Uh, however, without that, that physical hardware, I don't have that same recording setup. So I'm kind of using my jury-rigged version. The sound quality is not as good as it usually is for our episode. So you will uh, please forgive me for that. And uh, also, uh, CJ and Petty are on the same track. So, um, you know, when they kind of talk over each other, I can't edit it out. Really, uh, that is just a function of the recording setup I have in my house. So I do apologize for that, but please enjoy our top five NPCs. Some of our landings were desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks with power and with confidence. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is CJ. And my name is Patty. And you're listening to Bonfire Side Chat, and this is the fifth and final of the Souls of Darkness Kickstarter uh, top ten, top five, bottom ten specials. Uh, and as you heard, I am joined by CJ and Patty of Twin Humanities. Hello. Fine, fine gentlemen. Thank you for having us back. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, we, like, depending on how the actual season pans out, we're planning to have you back. Anyway, it's just been tricky getting scheduling and figuring all that out. But this is uh, this way, at the very least, we definitely get you on the season, um, regardless of how that shakes out and how the DLC works and all of that jazz. Oh, bless you, thank you, man. Uh, because uh, you're a very, very loved guest. Thanks, very, uh, thanks people... for not making me think too hard about law, because I don't want to think about Dark Souls Three law. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't care uh, enough I'll... anymore. I'll save that so I don't get, uh, you know, this is this is a fun place. I don't need to get all those comments and the response to one of these no, episodes. No, bring it. Um, the, uh, well, there's, there's, a reason, get me. there's a reason. <laughs> there's a reason why we didn't do bottom uh, bottom five NPCs because that's, uh, you know, it is. It, I'm not scared of people on the internet, but it does at some point become exhausting. I don't have a bottomless appetite for <laughs> getting into just uh, you know ten separate debates on our Facebook page uh, at once, like um, spinning plates. Um, so yeah, so this is this is positive, positive. Yay, top ten at five NPCs. Yay, I'm, I'm yeah, I am excited for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but every, everybody's going to go with something different on this. And as we, we we had a little bit of a chat beforehand, I think it's it's always in, interesting to go on instinct with these rather than sort of you know hmm, I, I wonder and then just ponder and overthink things and uh, yeah I, I, I don't know it was one of those where I just went like hmm, yes hmm, yes yes but I've still got a, <laughs> still got a few on the uh, on the on the cusp a few notable mentions that uh, maybe should have gotten in there I guess the more I think about it but hmm, we'll see when I went on instinct it was just five entries of the unnamed priest from Demon Souls <laughs> who tells you to go re- rescue Urbane <laughs> it's just like this guy's got it going on. He raised some <laughs> He's got motivation. He's got plot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so just him over and over. I like just keep coming back. Um, so I had to fight down those instincts mm-hmm. um, as a, as a noted urbaniac. 
uh, and and move on to uh, to other other games in the series. Um, some kind of rules about this. So we've already people are listening um, have either heard or we've done uh, top and bottom bosses. Uh, so in general, bosses don't count for this. So even if they might have a you know a story behind them, they have to at least be an NPC in addition to even this kind of gray area. Mm-hmm. Like I tried to avoid bosses uh, for this and just do NPC in the classic uh, merchant or storyline. Because I know there was there was there was one that was on your mind, wasn't it? Because I remember you said Indeed. you said the other day. Yeah, and I'll, I will go ahead and uh, and, and and say that. Mm. Then we can, we can we can get right into it with honorable yeah. mentions. Does that sound good? Yeah, yeah. sounds good to uh, me. Excellent. Um, actually, before we get into that, uh, talk about Twin Humanities a little bit. We have uh, an occasional <laughs> Dark Souls podcast where when our uh, when our, our shifts do do a line, and we like to have a natter and invite people on and find out where they came from. Uh, with with games and growing up and what led them to the to the Souls games in the first place, have a bit of an answer about um, their favourite stuff amidst that, and then uh, probably usually cover an area as as we go along as well. But um, I love it, sort of quite chatty and freeform, and um, yeah, we you know we, it's something that we we really like doing, and um, it's great to be able to schedule it. But sometimes sort of it's it's normally my shifts that can. That can uh, throw a spanner in the works. Oh, we've because... both been bad recently, uh, to be fair. I mean, I've, I've stepped up in the world of retail now, so I get home like, I can't do anything <laughs> tonight. I need to sleep now. I'm done. Mm. Thanks. Um, but we do another show as well called Other Humanities where we talk about everything else. And it's what just it's just talking about films and comics these days, isn't it? That's that's the easier one to do, I think, because we yeah. can just go right in the times that, that we've not been together. So what we've been watching or listening to or reading or drinking or where we where we've been and you know it's I don't know we we enjoy catching up but we um, that's that's probably gotten a little bit better of late because we just haven't had time to talk to each other so when we mm. do when we do get a chance to uh, to say hello it just it is genuinely the the um, the first chance we've had to say hello for a while but um, yeah we we love doing it and it's it's nice getting comments back and. And, and stuff like that. So yeah, we, if you want to hear are, like, if you want to listen to someone like not doing a very good job, like listen to our very like first twenty episodes, I think it was, which is like cataloging my first run through Dark Souls. And I've listened back to some of it recently, and I'm ashamed of myself. <laughs> like, dude, what are you doing? Why did you jump in the hole? Why did you do? Why did you do that? You knew it was going to go badly, but you went in anyway. Can't get. Can't stay away from holes. Yeah, a lot of the first run is hidden, and you can like just lie about it. Oh yeah, I did. I did all this in the first try, and all mine's out there, warts and all, for the world to see. (laughs) Shame. Yeah, it it is. uh, People, you know, a lot of people who I know who listen to our show listen to yours as well. I see that from like message boards and stuff, where you see your people recommend uh, podcasts, kind of in general, and come up a lot, which is which is really great. And it's always fun to have you guys on. Uh, Thank you very much. yeah, thanks. It's been, uh, yeah, it's been fun getting, uh, getting to know you guys. So I'm really glad that we, because um, I originally didn't have an idea for another one of these specials. Mm. Uh, somebody on Twitter, and I, if, you know, whoever that person is who's cursing my name right now, forgive me for forgetting uh, your name. But the somebody suggested NPCs, and I was like, oh yeah, mm, uh, and five is a nice even number. So I like the idea of doing five of these. Mm. Um, Wait, five is an yeah. even number. Or a, a nice, uh, nice uh, round. <laughs> That's what I want. We we do things differently across. The, I, the um, it's late here. Yeah. It's not there. How are you there? There. Our, our, our evens are I man, and this is this is such bad, boring podcast content. But I uh, probably slept for about ninety minutes last night. Um, I I am definitely not at my my freshest. 
um, and for for various reasons. The, the uh, madness, yeah. the madness can see us through. I think that that first time that I was on, uh, I was on Bonfire Side Chat. I'd gotten up, uh, I'd gone to sleep, and I'd gotten up about one o'clock in the morning, put a coffee on, ate two chocolate bars, and said hello to you. Yeah, <laughs> so I was like, yeah, it's it's sugar and caffeine and sleep deprivation, but everything is fine. I remember that uh, specifically. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Um, I enjoyed it. It is, uh, yeah, sometimes it can be good to have that kind of lack of sleep. But I'm definitely caffeinated. What's going to happen is in, like, four hours in the middle of recording Abject Suffering is when I'm going to just, oh, like, all of a sudden everything's going to seem sad. I'm just going to be like, do you think Boogerman has a troubled home life? And it's, it's just going to get really, like, <laughs> uh, so that, that's my that's my guess. So, and these, these shows get staggered. I have no idea when this is coming out. So if it's mm-hmm. one weird, depressing uh, episode of Abject Suffering and people are wondering what the origin of it is, the secret that's origin the is reason. here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so honorable mentions. Uh, we do honorable mentions on the list. And uh, my honorable mention uh, is Aldia, mm-hmm. the, the scholar of the first sin, who uh, I think we, you know, we all agree adds an awful lot to that game and is a really wonderful character. Uh, and the only reason he's in that honorable mention slot is he is a boss, you know. So he's he's not disqualified. He's like by my own arbitrary, not even real rules that I just decided to set for myself. That put him in the sixth slot. Um, but the, uh, the my favorite thing about Eldia that hasn't been talked about to death on the season um, is once he's introduced as a concept in the game, mm. um, you never know when he's going to show up. Um, and every time he did, it was an amazing moment. Where like I'm just kind of cruising along, um, you know. I played Dark Souls two a bunch of times, and then would try to use the bonfire and just have this like invasion of my space by this story thing. I least swear, expected. I love. I still jump every single yeah. time. And how cute is Mini Aldia inside the uh, dragon, uh, dragonary, or dragon shrine? There's like a little tiny one that fits in a room. A little tiny baby <laughs> one. Yeah. You think yeah, he can't yeah. push you up here, it's too small. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, oh, buddy. Now, you see, with with, um, with Aldia, I thought um, there was a lot of speculation as to as to who he was um, and where he fitted into to Dark Souls 2 before they they realized him as a, as a as a character. And I think one of the criticisms of Dark Souls 3 is that oftentimes there's, there's a focusing on the law which at times doesn't sit that well with me or um, kind of rankles a little bit. But this is one of those where they not only, like, fine-tuned it, but um, I think the dialogue is some of the finest in any of the games. Um, And one of the ways that I really fell into uh, Dark Souls 2 massively was because of the Bonfire Side Chat episode on Aldia. Um, Mm. And, you know, lots of that, that dialogue was listed, but there was one intimation on a word which I got wrong when I was listening to it. And it was the bit um, where uh, he said, I sought to shed the yoke of fate, but failed. And in my head when I was listening to it, I heard that as Y-O-L-K for the yoke. And I was thinking, like, well, which came first, the chicken and the egg? And, like, the, you know, as to... Um, the realism of the world and, and if, 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 if the yoke was kind of hardened on this, is, is that saying that, the, that there's, there's something of a shell around the world which is in within kind of the, the greater scheme and like a reversal of things and it really played on my mind and even though I got that, that intimation sort of incorrect, it, it still stayed in there and I, that, that voice acting is astonishing. 
He's he's really he's really phenomenal. He's one of my favorite voice actors in the series. Mm. I, I've talked about it a bunch on the show, but that like the final thing during his ending where he has that like you know what is your answer? Like the, there's like a lilt to how he uh, asked that question or give us your answer, mm. and it kind of uh, kind of goes up. And he said it's a delivery I really really like. There's something quite um, Shakespearean about all of that, and and he, he adds almost like a, a sense of theater. That if if all of all of Dark Souls Two is going on upon a stage, he's the person that's standing between us and the curtains and is talking to us. Um, and I, I I love that. I think it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patty, what what uh, what's your honorable mention? Uh, my honorable mention is all of the Crestfallen Warriors. Okay, uh, <laughs> Fallen Boys. Because I couldn't pick a favorite. Like every game has like just a really sad man. Just sitting at the first hub area, just who's just given up. He's like, no, I, I can't. Like, he'll usually give you like a bit of advice, um, and usually doubts that you could do any better. Uh, it's like it's like a player who's like tried to play the game and has got to like maybe the first boss and has gone, you know what? Game's too hard. Game sucks. Not playing. I give up. Um, he didn't. He, it's, he's a guy who never got good in that respect. Um, and I, I just like meeting the grumpy, miserable man at the start of every game, like, oh, this again. Like, it, it sets the tone quite nicely. I, I come to expect a grumpy man uh, mm-hmm. at the beginning. Um, and I, I made a thing. Uh, it shows you that the world, it won't just beat you down physically, but it will beat you down mentally. It will beat you in the brain and the balls. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There we go. Balls metaphor. Thank you. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I always like balls. beating them, and they're always just sad. And that makes me happy. And I is that bad? No. Good. Fine. I'm okay. Yeah. With it. yeah. So all the crystals. I couldn't pick a favorite. I tried and I failed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What? I, I like that character a lot. Um, different incarnations. Uh, you know, more than others. Like I, one of the things that uh, Dark Souls Three does, you know, is that they added a lot of kind of backstory to that to that character, that archetype. Mm. You know, and kind of made him uh, kind of tragic in his own sense, which is like. Not you know, no, no, nobody from Dark Souls Three is my favorite NPC, but like the uh, as far as kind of riffs on that character, it was genuinely surprising to have him have his own internal life, um, as opposed to the Dark Souls One iteration, who just like fucks off down to Nulando at some point. Yeah, he seems like he's actually part of the world rather than just another guy that showed up. Uh, yeah, trench within the the Farron Knights and stuff, and that was cool. So like one yeah. of the, it's one of the few law things, again, come at me, internet. One of the few law things Dark Souls 3 does, I think, better uh, mm. is actually give him something to do and actually have quite a rewarding and interesting arc that doesn't just end with him giving up and just going to die somewhere. Which, yeah, yeah. He, he gives up and goes to die somewhere for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it still ends up being a, you know. It, it is, it is a, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, CD, do you have anything to add about uh, these these fellows? Also, also, if you've listened to them, if something ends up on all of our lists, and like mm. you can just be like, "It's here later. I'll talk about it later." Okay, you know that way we don't blow it all right away. No, no, I'm, I'm good on that front. All cool. is golden. What? Uh, who's your honorable mention, CD? Uh, Royal Sorcerer Navlan. Ooh, yeah. What a what a lad. Um, I had no idea until you know uh, much much later playthroughs that there were um, there was a different aspect to uh, him being human. Sorry, you being human or uh, you being hollowed, and the the different quests that he sends you on. But also the fact that if you release him, he makes your life hell for the rest of the game with the uh, with the um, the invasions. Um, this there's just something about the 
Um, I know the trap behind the looking glass aspect of Navlan, uh, something weird and sinister and brilliant. And uh, I think it's a, a really clever way to um, to play an NPC in that regard. So, um, yeah, I, I really like him. I love yeah, the, he's reverse, fantastic. the reverse psychology of all the notes by the lever, like, don't do it. No, really, don't do it. Of course I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, initially, I, I kind of wondered if he was Aldia um, before, you know, the, the scholar stuff kicked in. Mm-hmm. Um, oh sure, well, he's where he's located and stuff. Yeah, yeah. With with, with the um, scholar having the aspect of uh, of delving into the uh, the human soul, the human psyche, uh, the you know the dragon spirit, and and you know slicing off uh, little aspects of those to try and find um, the the reason that that people hollow and to and to stop it. I just wondered if he was the sort of mad scientist that that just experimented on himself, ended up going sinister and mad and uh, having the ability to, you know, create multiple versions of himself and, uh, and jump all over the landscape. And that, that was a fascination with me. But still, when uh, when Aldi was realised with the scholar, it didn't, didn't take away from that, didn't, didn't do a, um, a kind of... Uh, a, a, the same sort of numbing as seems to have happened with, with Solaire. Um, it, it, it still resonated, so I, yeah, that wasn't, uh, mm. yeah, wasn't upset with him. Yeah, he he was on uh, on my my short list. Mm. Um, mm. he almost made it on, but he didn't he didn't quite get there. But I really like him a lot. Same here. Yeah, he was close. Yeah. Like I knew he yeah. was like I, I I think I let him free and like immediately got yurt feelings. Like right, you die now. <laughs> yeah, you got you got yurt feelings. Yeah, and he, he, I got yurt feelings. Oh, I <laughs> Um, it doesn't invade you if you kill him right away. It's fine. He's he's gone if you kill him there and then. It doesn't mm-hmm. add to your level of sin either. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's a it's a victimless crime. Good job. The um, they haven't uh, they haven't done very much with that um, idea in the series of like a character who uh, has that kind of like I was I'm gonna say split personality, but that's not quite right. Like um done very much with a character that can have aspects of kind of madness or hollowing that is reversible mm. or somehow exists at the same time. Like usually it's just, it's a one way street, you know? Mm. Uh, and it's interesting to have somebody who is a uh, kind of uh, a madman or has gone hollow or is otherwise sinister where it is not a defining trait, like somebody who's actually kind of struggling with it, mm. um, which I think is pretty neat. So I like as well that when you, when you do his quests that he only has to, to know that you've got the item, to be satisfied, mm-hmm. and in my in my head, that's that's still him not taking the item from you because he you know he, he doesn't take it from your your inventory. He just wants to see it. He just wants to know that you've gotten it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's there's something quite uh, confident and sinister about that, where it's like I don't even need the thing. I just want to see that you've done it, mm-hmm. or I, I yeah. need to believe that you've done it. Um, and that's that's I don't know a little left center a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Moving on uh, to my number five. Uh, speaking of uh, Yurt, the Silent Chief Ooh. is my number five. I, and this was hard too because I could have done um, a similar thing and just been like all the Law Trek boys, <laughs> come on in. Um, and Law Trek, I think, is kind of a, a cooler character, but the way that uh, Yurt actually, the way that questline happens, um, I really, really like, you know, I knew it, somebody warned me, but if I use my imagination and think of myself, 
as playing Demon Souls without any prior knowledge. Mm. Just having people around me just start dying without knowing why is so cool uh, to me as like a gameplay thing. Like it can kind of fuck you over, but they, it's really a gentle wrap up the, or uh, ramp up the order in which it happens. Where like it's people, it's that uh, priest, you know, it's the the guy who likes Urbane, Urbaniac number one. Um, can I can I just butt in here uh, as someone who didn't know about this? I having didn't, it I didn't know either. Trust me, yeah. it's not cool. <laughs> when he kills every <laughs> magic vendor before you realise what's going on. Because I was stuck with the goddamn soul arrow and the stupid crap fireball for the rest of the game. I but couldn't in the, in the, change them out. But in the same way well, as, as, as Demons, when I, I first played it and the first invasion happened, it genuinely felt like somebody had just kicked the windows into the flat and just had busted in. I, it, it really freaked me out, because I'd, I'd not known anything like that before. And in the same way suddenly having people dying around the nexus i couldn't i couldn't get my head around it i couldn't figure it out and it, it brought a real sense of of unease and wariness and um vulnerability i guess mm-hmm. um and that still resonates it's really cool and the 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 same thing a similar effect is achieved by law track when he kills your firekeeper which i, I love that moment too you know like i'm taking away your home mm. uh and i think the reason why i gave it to you was that it's um, there's not really, you can kind of, if you talk to Law Trek, you can see that he's kind of being a skeeve for the, uh, the firekeeper. Um, and, and I think that Patches or Petrus gives you a little bit of a warning, but, uh, the, the feeling of like how, um, when Yurt does it, it's so slow. Um, and you, you know, it's just like, oh, like this person died. That's weird. Oh, somebody else died. Like it didn't happen this way for me, but I can imagine the gameplay scenario where you kind of have to be a little bit of a detective. You know, and you're kind of Batman walking around the Nexus, like looking at these corpses and being like, "Why are people around here dying?" Oh, wait, this started happening after I let that weirdo out of the cage and in Latria. I felt that I didn't really get to know Yurt, um, and in the and you know Latria, you, you got the feeling that he was a little bit of a, a pantomime villain, and it, it wasn't really a surprise when that when that kicked in. But Yurt, I don't know. It was there was something sinister when it when it is someone who is just a a, a symbol. If you're led into uh, believing that everybody that you free in a game, um, which is something that you know the, the Souls games and Bloodborne have, have done very well, um, somebody that you free is grateful, and <laughs> if they if they come back to to your place, they they they're really quite quite happy to be there, mm-hmm. and everything's lovely. Um, you don't really expect that. But it's a, it's a real, like, it's subverting a video game thing where, like, in games, it's useful to help people and they give you a mechanical reward. Mm. You know, this kind of sense of, like, this being the first entrance in the series where, like, no, you can't actually trust, like, your video game instincts, mm. uh, you know, is, is really cool, I think. And that's why you need to pay more attention because I noticed the corpses, but I just assumed that bodies were there because this was a place where lots of people die. <laughs> mm. And only when I went around the corner to sort of change my spells up did I notice that everyone was dead. And even though that was like a huge kind of fuck you moment and was hard for that game, so it's maybe a little bit inelegant, right? Like in the in Law Track, it's a little bit easier to work around. It's still like a really kind of brazen thing to do to a player. Mm. It was hilarious. Uh, don't get me wrong. Yeah, like, yeah. It was it's just like oh, funny, but I was man. not happy. I think I've spent every <laughs> Souls game since looking for the yurt. Like every time <laughs> a character dies, where's the yurt? Who's the yurt? Exactly. Like the hunt. Hunt the yurt, you know, find the patches, hunt the yurt, like that kind of uh, 
that kind of thing. Something that somebody said uh, in the lead up to Dark Souls 2, and I can't remember who it was, but like, it'd be amazing to place the Solaire figure, whoever is your actual like companion, <laughs> give him a, a yurt helmet, and when you find him, he's right on the edge of a cliff. <laughs> so like, it just you know, so many players would just be like, oh, I know where this is going, kick, and then you know. You just killed uh, killed your your buddy. My expectations. Um, <laughs> I think there's some um, there's something in uh, the atmosphere of Demon Souls that um, I've not really seen in any other game. When I when I come back to it, it, it still unnerves me and fascinates me. Um, there's something within that design work, the way that it's lit, um, just everything. I I can never quite put my finger on what it is that Demon Souls does, but every time I go back to it, this it's still there. You know, I'm still fascinated with it. And I think that, that Yurt is, is definitely a colour within that, that that sort of that cinema sorry, that, that sinister um malevolence, I guess, is is uh, is wonderful. Absolutely. Uh Paddy, who's your uh, number five? Uh my number five uh is a disembodied head. Uh my number five is Vengal from Dark Souls Two. Mm. Um and I kind of, again, he, I wrote my list out on instinct. I, I thought to myself, who do I like? And I, I literally wrote them out in order, like, straight away without really thinking too hard. Like, I went back and looked at it, but I, could, I went back to the original five I wrote after a while. Um, Vengal was like a no-thinking, I love Vengal. Um, like, I feel really bad for him, because um, he's an NPC, but he's kind of two NPCs at the same time. He's the head and he's the body. Um, I like that when you speak to him, like he's initially quite grumpy, he tells you to sod off, uh, and if you sort of gain his trust a bit, he'll tell you about his past, how he used to be a big sort of fearsome fighter, and he was the kind of fighter that his own men were scared of, uh, until he got decapitated one day, but then woke up, uh, and he's now just like super chill. He's just happy yeah. to sit on his rock and just <laughs> think, and you're there, he'll chat to you when you go, I don't think he's that fast when you go. Um, he's just happy to sit in his nice, his nice quiet wood by himself. Um, and I like the way that he talks about how he dreams about his body sometimes. Like, yeah, that's a good detail. There's still the kind of, like, I, I can see it like murdering and rampaging. And he tells you, if you see my body, like, just leave it. Like, he's my body mm-hmm. sucks. Like, don't, don't be near my body. My head's the best part of me. Leave my I body. I think alone. again, the, the the voice acting is absolutely superb, and yeah, really, really it, it sounds like someone that's that's all at once lost and is um is is torn apart by these these dreams of the people of the person that he was and the the places that he's been and also the you know the aspect that that uh that is without him being there um and i i, I just love that that uh, that delivery is so it's so warm and sad and tired he just sounds tired yeah. as well yeah um, it, it's also a, a great comedy moment too, because when you first meet him, you know it's like, oh, he is a uh, he's a disembodied head who you know, who knows exactly what what that means. Um, but then to have him, uh, you know, and he's kind of grumpy, he's a warrior and stuff, and then eventually he's like, it's been a while since I've had a talk. I actually kind of like this. Like he literally has a turn where he's like, this is pretty fun, <laughs> um, and it's 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 genuinely really funny. Well, I think you know, it's good for you as a player. Like, hey, player, you're cool, actually, aren't you? Yeah. Yes, I am. I am cool. Thanks. <laughs> I think this this the aspect of him being torn away from his own body, but you, but you as a um, it's it's humanity that that he's missed and that connection and that that ties back into 
for me the the curse of um, of Dark Souls Two anyway, because it's 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 people losing who they are and the, the moments that they that they strive, that they're brilliant, that they love, that they live, um, mm-hmm. and that's what Vendrick, you know, chooses to um, to try and go through no uh, you know numerous atrocities to um, to try and uh, sort and capture it out. Yeah. Mm. Um, I don't know if I like it better. I don't know if I like Vengal better in regular vanilla Dark Souls 2 or in Scholar. Um, because in Scholar, you meet his body, like, really quickly uh, mm. in, in the basement of the Shaded Woods. And it's kind of cool that it, it sort of wraps that up nice and quick. But I think I prefer the version in Dark Souls 2 vanilla where you're waiting around for hours before you meet his body. Mm. And you know it's out mm-hmm. there somewhere. Like, oh, watch out for my body. And it, like, it's weird and it sticks in your mind. Like, oh, cool, there's a headless dude around here somewhere. Great. And the fact that it turns up at, like, the worst possible place it can possibly show up. Like, oh, cool, here's, a, here's one of the primal bonfires. After a boss, here's a big scary man to gank you. Like, yeah, I, it's, it's a Chekhov's body. Yeah, I love that. I love that they put it in. Like, it kind of, it sort of speaks to the, the, well, the character his body used to be when he was, you know, a really, really, really rough boy. Um, who would, it sounds like he would, you know, wait by the bonfire. You wait until you had a big fight and then come out and just murder your ass. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I, I think, prefer that. And like the dreads where you think, oh God, I know who this is. <laughs> I think there's, there's, there's a, a kind of hidden comedy in the fact that uh, the voice actor doesn't sound a million miles away from Sean Bean. <laughs> and this is, this is someone <laughs> that's essentially been killed and is, uh, is in... Um, is in repose, sort of thinking about the, uh, the his his full life that he had and and the uh, the tra- the tragedy that's uh, that's kicked in thereafter. So yeah, yeah, beheaded even. Mm. Um, CD, what do you what do you got? Number five. Uh, number five, bashful Ray. Oh, mm, <laughs> love him. Uh, Perth Wolverine, those claws, the daggers, the ninja outfit, dragon's crest ring. Uh, but the best thing about bashes is. Bashes isn't all about the fight. Bashes is a man of travel, the venture, a distinguished gentleman of art and architecture. Time to scrap it out, bloody lethal against invaders. But time to not just study the landscape, but study the landscape. <laughs> Whipping out those binoculars and having a good old perv. Now, apparently, uh, he points out the nearest hidden enemy with them, which I, I really didn't know, but I oh, don't. That's awesome. I, I, yeah, I didn't know that. Um, apparently, according to Wikipedia, he, um, he will see the, the hidden stuff that's in the in the sand in like uh, Brightstone Cove and stuff, and, uh, and and sort of go attack them or point them out. But I like to think that he's someone that just turns up there and he's going like, "Would you look at that? Oh my word! Look at the look at the look at the structures and the way that that's that's happened. Oh, that's really artistic." And then he goes and kicks ass. And then he pulls out the binoculars again. It's that's marvelous. That's wonderful. And it's it's very rare that you get someone that can that can uh, appreciate the art of of life and and the wonderment of the, of the surroundings. Uh, to be an adventurer, to be that true artist, but also is quite happy beating the crap out of people in in, you... in his binoculars and uh, pajamas. What a, what a dial back they did uh, with the the third one. Not to be a you know sound like a parody of myself, but like. They made such advancements with really, really fun kind of invaders, mm. um, you know, in, in two and in the DLC where like there were these, you know, Bashful Ray and, uh, uh, you know, Gesture Thomas and mm. stuff like that. And then they just, uh, you know, you get in three, you get Sorig who teaches you a gesture when he kills you. But other than that, there's not a lot in the way of like pretty fun, uh, you know, 
uh, NPC invaders that do weird stuff. Well, they, you know, they did and the like, thing in, in, in Dark Souls 2 whereby I got to the point, especially with Scholar, um, where I would rather have one of the NPC summons than a regular person because I just it was nice getting that continuity through the game um, and there was so much personality in there, especially when you know they were they were pointing out the uh, the, the windmill to set on fire or jumping up and down and cheering when you when you got in it and I don't know this. They were bursting with personality and memorable as well, and I think that's that's another one of the aspects of of Dark Souls Three that I, I I'm a little bit sullen about because they they absolutely nailed it in the second one. I think so too. Mm, agree. And uh, yeah. uh, my uh, number four is uh, Luca Teal of Mira, um, who is uh, my favorite articulation of the. Um, the pure articulation of like the uh, hollowing as dementia kind of metaphor. Mm. The um, and there, there's something later that plays into it, but it plays into something else as well, which everybody who's listening to this who knows my taste in NBCs knows what that is. But the um, yeah, Lucatiel I think is genuinely um, really really sad and great. Like um, you know this idea of of her wearing this mask to hide you know from other people that she is she's hollowing and then just. Uh, the way that her, you know, by the time she gets to, you know, finding her brother who is a hostile invader and she's already lost it. Um, she, she has lost her mind and she either found him and that was the final straw and went and camped out or she was right there and gave up within, you know, a stone's throw of actually accomplishing her goal. Either way is very sad. Um, her voice actress really sells it. And I think a lot of people who don't like this NPC don't like it because of the mechanical aspects, which I agree are kind of a, a failure, like the way that you have to make her quest line advance by bringing her into battles um, is cool in spirit, but it was a pain to keep her alive um, for some of those, especially the Lost Center and doing that run-up. Uh, but um, the actual, the content of, of her quest and, and content of her character I really, really like. I think she's also an act, because Luke Teal's my number four as well. Um, hmm. She's also uh, your anchor to the game as well. Um, mm-hmm. Within not just a, a, a particular through line, um, but when when she sees your character sort of later on, and she's losing her mind, you 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 ground her. You you, you she she realizes sort of that she recognizes you, and it, it kind of pulls her back from the, the brink of madness. And I think that mm-hmm. perhaps all of those all of those battles that um, that were led into with her. Um, a leading her up to, you know, a, a fated battle with her brother, um, uh, potentially. So because you know he's already lost his mind and is one step away from from when we when we see her and she's uh, um, she, she sees us and is I don't know she remembers who she is and that that's one step away from from where you see her brother. I think it's potentially important. Yeah, I I really love uh I love that about about her as well. Yeah, she's uh she's she plays that um you know, she's that kind of soul air character, so she is your your anchor, but she also serves in this game uh in 2 specifically as kind of this uh consequence for you know, cuz you're going through that same kind of thing, the whole thing and people complain about this, but the whole, you know, you'll get to the gates and you won't won't know why you're there uh thing that doesn't bother me as much as it bothers the internet. Um, why does why does is, it bother the internet? I'm, I'm curious. Uh, just because they feel like they ascribe it to being lazy as opposed to being 
you know, on purpose or being about kind of hollowing. But, you know, we, and I know you guys are on the same page about this, but we talked about it a lot in the season about mm. two being about, you know, your main character kind of losing their minds a little bit uh, throughout it. And she's a really good articulation of that. Like she ends up, you know, uh, being an example of what, what can happen. You know, what's the bad thing that can happen? I think there's, there's, uh, there's, there's something within that for me. Of, of it not just being a land where, where people have, have lost their mind or are losing their mind, but people being drawn to that land as well, whether they wish to forget or um, they're, you know, they're, they're, it's, it's something much more subconscious. That really calls to me. I mean, I've I, I got a huge connection to, to Dark Souls 2 with regards to, to depression. Um, mm-hmm. you, you know, if you're looking at that, that's that swirling vortex of, 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 uh, of sort of screaming skulls and, um, and that, that's very much a connection to it. Um, Shrine of Amana with the, you know, the, um, when we sing the little ones dance and the, the creatures are having their head plunged underwater, which is, you know, very much like, like the way that depression feels to me. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that seems seems an interesting nuance and a, a connection to it. And I, for for me personally, it's 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 really not not lazy at all. It's it's, it's all part of the um the the, the majesty and the, the the connection I have with it. Um, also, I mean, on a on a personal level, we had um, we had a listener, Neo Loki, who, who said that um, mm-hmm. um that, that's familiar. yeah that um. Lucatiel um or Lucatiel's quest reminded him of uh his stepfather which was who'd been a, a hero to him his entire life and and now was suffering with Alzheimer's and couldn't remember the times that they shared as when when he was a child and that was that was the start of the rabbit hole for me for Dark Souls 2 that I I couldn't get out my my mind it stayed in my in my heart and the more that I followed those connections through and, and made my own connections from therein. It just became this phenomenal enigma. But that was the start of it. And, and Luca Teal was a, a huge, you know, a huge part of, of that first step to it becoming personal mm-hmm. to me. Um, and also on, a, on another note, I remember um, with Dark Souls 3, um, I saw a few articles that were saying, oh, this, this from Dark Souls is in there and this from Dark Souls is in there. And I'm sure it was someone like IGN just went, oh, and lol, um, Lucatiel's, uh, sword is in there. And that was the point where I kind of went, <laughs> <laughs> and whilst, whilst for a lot of people, it's like, uh, oh, you know, Dark Souls 2, you know, there's the odd mention yeah. in there. For me, those are the ones that, that just made me kind of gasp and, and, and want to find more of them. Yeah, yeah, and and the um, I hope that there ends up being more of them too. Like I don't when I'm I'm with you when I say that like people feel like it's random or anything. I just happen to be in a position where I hear when people, you know, like people tell me when they don't like it mm. uh, because of, of the podcast. So it is uh, it's not my opinion. It's just something that I have an understanding of from curating kind of other people. But yeah, I'm I'm with you, and and uh, she's great. Um, what, uh, what's your, uh, what's your number four, Patty? Okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just switch the mood around here. Uh, my number four, uh, is Patches, world's best dickhead. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I have an Omni Patches on my list as well, so I'll be, I'll be quiet during this so I can talk about Patches later. Yeah, okay, uh, well, like, for me, like, Patches, uh, he's like, he's like, you know that friend who will, like, steal your beer, um, 
and you know he's doing it, but you'll never call him out on it. But you hang out anyway because he's fun. Like that, mm. that dick friend that you you like but you hate at the same time. Like that's that's patches. Like I I had trouble picking a favorite incarnation because I think they're all quite fun. Uh, but I think I like the one from Dark Souls one the most. I think he's the most memorable of all the patches mm. for me. Because um, like every time you meet him, like he acts sort of like your friend. He's all pal palling around, but like, hey, hey, buddy, hey, hey, there's some stuff down there. I don't even want it. You can have it. Go for it. It's yours. Go for it. And then and then every time he just fucks you over and fucks you over and fucks you over. Um, and then when you meet him again, he's like, uh, whoops, uh, I was at completely accident. Uh, I slipped. Uh, my foot accidentally shot out and kicked you in the bum, not on purpose. <laughs> You you did fall in that mm-hmm. hole. It wasn't it wasn't my there was sun in my eyes. I, I couldn't I couldn't see you. It was it wasn't me, but this time look down that hallway. There's something cool <laughs> over there. My favourite <laughs> is where he just goes like he's like You can't really blame me, can you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah all right, fair enough, mate. That's... Exactly, yeah. And like yeah. but every time he says like oops, I was you know, not my fault, I, I, I screwed up, whoops, I like I forgive him every single time because you made me laugh. Um, and like the, I, he does always become like a semi-useful vendor usually, which is kind of fine. I don't care about that part of him that much. I just like having him around, like with his stupid big old nose and his, his big old spear. Um, mm-hmm. And like every single one of his tricks is like always at least fun and memorable, uh, booting mm-hmm. you into a world of misadventure. Uh, yeah, like it, it, like in Dark Souls Three, I'm going to lock you in a tower that you can only get out of by falling down. Ha! And then mm-hmm. there's, right, a, like, there's, oh, a, there's a certain warmth and joy to the voice acting as well, which which completely solidifies that character because of the treatment with the way that he, that he, that he speaks to you. It's a, it's very underrated, I think, in that regard. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, um, I, I really liked uh, what he did in Dark Souls Three in the Seagwood bit, um, when you you find Seagwood uh, inside of the Cathedral of the Deep, and uh, he starts talking. He's like, doesn't sound like Seagwood. What's going on here? Mm. You can roll, roll the camera around into his helmet, and you can see that it's patches inside the helmet. All right. And at that point, at that point, like, do you know what? I'm just doing whatever you say because it's <laughs> going to be funny. Because you got to see what happens. Yeah, uh, I was playing. Yeah. I was co-oping with uh, noted worst Jeremy Greer, uh, mm. who was pointing me out, uh, like showing me some fun stuff that I'd missed. And he's like, just, just go, just enjoy this bit. I was like, okay, okay. Uh, and again, just getting kicked down a damn hole with him laughing at the top of the stairs at you, like, fine fine like every time i see patches i know i'm gonna end up in a hole like surrounded by dudes getting stabbed or getting like hit with a hammer or something like that but there's, there's usually something worth finding at the bottom of it and it's just a nice bit of fun flavor in the middle of it and i like that he hates clerics because faith is for chump lords <laughs> <laughs> it's not glad they haven't explained it like they could have you know i don't need patches origins mm. you know and that that could have been like an annoying thing that uh, they could have done in in three or in the DLC, but like I'm, I just don't really want that. I like this little character quirk that's just kind of like, no, he's that's, that's patches. Well, you, well, you don't think it was the cleric that killed his mum? <laughs> yeah, it could have been. I think it's Batman. What do you think? To, to I mean, I've, I've not, I've only heard about it secondhand, but this kind of these moments of seeming heroism in the in the third game where he will does he go to rescue Seagward? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not. He's not. A, he's he has some redeeming qualities in the third one. We'll seek my ears. Uh, he, uh, he goes and rescues, uh, not, not Sigurd, uh, he rescues Grey Rat. Oh, right, okay. 
Um, mm. Yeah, because he, he says he did him a, a good turn. And, like, Grey Ride is a thief and is kind of a malcontent as well, even though he's a good guy, but he's also, you know, a lawbreaker, lives on the, the wrong side of... There's no there's no law. Mm. Uh, but, you know, he's, he's also uh, uh, an archetype um, that's kind of shady. But, yeah, he actually goes and does this kind of moment of, of heroism, mm. which is uh, really weird. And then uh, with him in Bloodborne, too, where he is a shithead, but also kind of a true believer in this, this thing, you know? Like, he's being, he's being a shit, but also, you know, he does, I, I don't know how genuine he's being when he says he wants to show you God and that you should be thankful, but I would, you know, potentially buy it. It's somewhere on the continuum of Dark Souls 1, he wants to steal your stuff, to Dark Souls 3, he's helping somebody, and, and Bloodborne, where he, like, he has this God that he actually kind of worships. Oh, cool. Um, he's a bit like Aladdin with the genie. Oh, yeah. I yeah. can show you the world. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, by, uh, my number three, speaking of Bloodborne, uh, is Annalise of the Vile Bloods, um, which is kind of a cheat because she doesn't actually do that much. Um, this is, I'm kind of rolling up the entire, everything that happens with Annalise into one mm-hmm. thing. I know that you guys kind of bounced off Bloodborne. Are you guys, um, uh, uh, half of us bounced off Bloodborne. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> um, uh, CJ, are you far enough to know what happens with Annalise and stuff kind of later? Honestly, like the majority of Bloodborne's lore has gone completely over my head in the same way as when I first played uh, Demons, I just enjoyed it for the game. When I first, first played Dark Souls, I didn't really know much about the lore. I just enjoyed it for the game. Um I I fell into Scholar rather than uh, rather than Bloodborne, but I've uh, Dark Souls Three, if anything, has um, has given me kind of a, a lead back into Bloodborne. I, I finally clicked it, so I'm I'm just up to uh, to Kanehurst at the minute. Um, well, this, and this is Kanehurst. All right, um, cool. actually, I, oh. yeah, I won't be I won't be too explicit. Though. No, no, go for it, man. Uh, well, it's it's I mean, people who are listening know you know what I'm talking about. The big incident uh, with her, um, and it's great. Like, it, it's it's really tied into Alfred. I could have chosen Alfred for this, but I went for Annalise because of this sense of mystery uh, to her. Um, the way she's presented, the arena that she's in. She's not a boss, but the the, mm. the area that she's in. Mm. Um, and the way that those two quest lines converge is uh, in a game that I don't think has strong NPC moments at all. Like, uh, Bloodborne really scaled back NPCs to where there's, like, four of them, and several of them don't really have a story to them. You know, you get the cathedral dweller who's a good guy, um, but he's not, you know, there's nothing to do with him. You know, there's not, I feel like there's a strong theme to that guy. Um, to be the strongest, like, character moment, or what, the DLC has a really strong one too, but one of two very strong character moments in a game that kind of lacks them, uh, that I just, I, I love. Like, it was the part, it was something that I was missing in Bloodborne until I got to, to how Annalise's uh, quest climaxes. Um, to where I was just like, oh, this is this is literally something every other game in the series has done really well. Bloodborne wasn't doing it, but when you deliver, it's just fantastic. It's an amazing scene and set piece, um, and uh, you you will love it. Like it is, uh, it is really pretty phenomenal. I think it is top you know what I'm talking about, right, Patty? Yeah, it, yeah. it is. It is top draw. I, I think I nearly had Alfred on my list for again the same reason. Like this, this whole culmination of this whole plotline. Well, because up until that point, he's kind of shitty. Like, he's just, he's fine. You know, he's he's just a guy. Mm. Uh, you can ask him questions. He has a, you know, uh, he uses a cool weapon. And then you get this this kind of other edge to him that's just mm. such a fun surprise. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you, know? you think he's going to be yeah. a bro, and he's all dressed in white, and he's your friend. And then, yeah. ooh, you 
still not all there, are you? Yeah, yeah. Maybe this is not you know what it seems, and it, and it plays into what Bloodborne's about and what Bloodborne's trying to do so well. Mm. Uh, that's a uh, yeah. I, I love uh, I love me some Annalise, um, and and again, really just that scene and those two characters. So, um, and there's some weird stuff too that happens with Annalise where there were uh, you know as far as um, Bloodborne lore lines or theories that are not fully explored. Um, I'm pretty bored by the Thumerians, but I love Kanehurst and I love the idea of Kanehurst. Mm. Uh, and having the character that kind of represents that, like that was, uh, you know, that existing in this world, I was really in favor of. Even if I was not into, um, you know, a lot of like supposition about, you know, them coming from the the chalices because I, I hate the chalices. <laughs> I don't really like the Thumerians, but I like that existing in this world. I liked going and doing this Castlevania level in the middle of. Mm. My Souls game. I'm like more um, about the Vilebloods because you hear about them quite early, don't you, as well? And like that was yeah, Laura Mid- from wife, yeah, Laura and wife was like, um, oh, so this is gonna be vampires versus werewolves then? Mm. <laughs> it's underworld, yeah, yeah. It's like no, we, we it, even has guns. It's exactly like underworld. Yeah, it really yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> lots of lots of tight leather yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, huh? Oh, <laughs> we nice. thought it was like Underworld Four, Bloodburn, Bloodburn One. <laughs> um, <laughs> Who, uh, Patty? Who's your, who's your number uh, number three? Oh, we there already. Christ. Okay. Uh, my number three. Uh, Let me know if I skip somebody. I, I don't mean to uh, skip someone. I'm kind of just keeping track of them. Yeah, we are. So. Uh, okay. no, my number three uh, from Dark Souls One. Uh, you're going to see that a lot. Uh, is Siegmeier. Hmm. Um, where do we begin? Um, like, I mean, to put to to start off, like, I think he's on the list as a bit of an apology, um, because in my very first run. Uh, of the game in Anolondo. Oh yes, I was fighting the Silver Knights in inside, and I clipped him with my sword. <laughs> I remember this. Yeah, which turned him hostile, and he then chased me around the level, <laughs> and I I had we're, to kill him. We were co-oping mm. at this point, weren't we? <laughs> yeah, and you were just getting me scathing. You, like, I can't believe you done it. I was I was legit bummed out because like I, <laughs> no leave me I'm sorry I just I missed they came in the room where you were and I was trying to save you and then it didn't work you just stood there looking at them and you stood in front of my sword you dick um, <laughs> so I missed like the second half of his quest until like my second or third run of the game which is bullshit because his quest is really 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 good um, mm-hmm. it's like for me like Sigmire is is a story about like frustrated impotence. Um, like, you always find him, like, stuck somewhere. Like, unable to move forwards, like, either because he's not good enough at killing things with a sword, or because he can't work out a puzzle, and he sort of, he just sort of sits down, and he's not quite given up, uh, but he doesn't know how to progress. Um, so he kind of gets stuck in a state of perpetual, sort of, hmm, sort of a, a state of perpetual not-sureness. Um, like, and as you go through the game and you keep helping him and you keep clearing his way and you keep rescuing him, um, like, it sort of comes to a head in Isolith where he, he sort of tells you, no, no, you back off. I'm doing this this time. Um, I think his frustrations really sort of come to a head there. Um, and then if you save him again, like, it's way worse for him <laughs> because he'll die later in probably a worse way. Um, like, and the, the, the classic Dark Souls thing is if you want an NPC to live, just leave him alone. Like just, just leave. Yeah, just the best ending is no ending. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it was quite a good example of like, a, like a sort of the hollowing effect on NPC in the earlier games, anyway. Um, of him sort of needing that purpose, that quest to find some closure, and, and like not finding it. 
because you keep doing mm. it for him. Um, Wasn't there that, that that really great epic name bro bit as well, where he said that um, that Onion Bro was the bravest character in Dark Souls because he keeps meeting indecision and being genuinely scared and and being unsure, but keeps on pressing on, keeps on moving forward. Mm, mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, I mean, I I like Siegmeier, uh because like I I sort of relate a bit in a way. Um, it's it's his frustration at like not being able to progress. Like I am, I also do it. I get frustrated at the limits of my own abilities, you know. And you get stuck at a point where like you can't move forwards, but you're too proud to admit defeat as well. Like so you mm-hmm. get stuck in this perpetual state of sort of uh, 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 sort of waving your hands in front of your face, not knowing what to do with yourself. Um, he's like one of the more human characters I think I've seen in the game. Um, in a very sort of otherly worldly game, he's. He's like he's just a nice, a nice man who just wants to be good at what he does, and he can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's why. I, and again, I'm really sorry that I killed you on my first run. I didn't mean to. <laughs> um, but yeah, Onion Bro, like, and I, I got so much shit from people when that came out. Me, uh, you, and <laughs> quite a lot of the internet were very upset with me. I was upset with myself. Yeah, but you, well. you put you put on a front. For the longest time, you were like, "Well, he doesn't. He, he was coming at me. I was just there. He shouldn't have been." There was there was a there was a real real ring of bullshit around that before. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, Look, I, didn't, in. I didn't want to admit. It, okay, I was upset <laughs> with myself, and like you can't show weakness to the general public. Like, ah, he had it coming while secretly dying on the inside. <laughs> so yeah, I love you, and I love that your daughter's involved in this as well, and that she finds you all dead at the end, which is really sad but quite lovely. Um, yeah, and no, no onion since has hit that height. Gary, yeah, I, I, I've got a lot to say about Sigmeyer. I'm, I'm saving him, but he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's very special uh, to me as as far as characters in the, the series go. But well, well said. And uh, we're not a lot of overlap. Like the things I have to say about him are not necessarily the same things, even though I don't disagree with anything you said. Cool. Um, yeah. What do, what do you got, CJ? Uh, my number three is King Bandrick. Mm. Um, I knew he'd be on your list. He, he has to be. Yeah, <laughs> Everyone has an opinion on who and what King Bandrick is. I know some people see him as a, uh, a malevolent king, um, but I, I think about his story constantly. My Vendrick is a man who saw his people losing what it is to be human. Uh, not just the, the cliche of a fantasy curse, but shedding that which makes us human, the memories we make, the people we love, the times we spend. A man who would do anything to save his people, veering into atrocities, splitting the human soul, the dragon soul, to try and find the answer. A man who crossed an ocean to steal an artifact which breathed life into the lifeless and started a war which he won... And yet when we meet him, he's a husk. Um, in so many of these stories, the, the, these are the people who win, who face adversity and triumph. They don't make the wrong decision and end up like that. Uh, and yet in different lands, there were three crowns. And when united, they stopped hollowing. And the answer was there. And he went there. He zigged instead of zagged. There was no right answer. He went on instinct. Mm. And... It stays on my mind. It resonates as brave and brilliant storytelling in a fable that I'm still falling into. Um, if you factor into uh, the, the Queen and the Chandra as well, there's, there's something that, that ties into that, that there are these aspects of manners. 
Um, and one of the one of the fascinations for me in Dark Souls was that Manus had dusk inside him, and that um, there's this aspect if you've got this this beast who is you know. Uh, that poked and prodded humanity that's that's turned into sheer anger and yet at the center of him is is, is a woman that you could, you could almost say that there's a there's a degree of 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 love that's there or a need to be close or a need to be with someone and all of the aspects of manners that have drifted into uh dark souls 2 seem to have uh i don't know a, 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 an essence of of needing something more than hate. Um, and I, I am fascinated by the Queen and fascinated by Nishandra. And I'm not altogether sure that the, what a lot of people see as, uh, as a curse and aggression that's there as, as to whether that is just, just the way that it seems as, as to whether she, she did want to, want to help her king as she did, she did fall in love with him and, um, was informing his decisions to, to try here and try there and um, maybe, you know, the the right answers just weren't there as well. So um, I know my mind flies all over this stuff and I'm still I'm still fascinated with the story of Dark Souls 2. I can't let it go. And for some people, they think that there's there's no story there whatsoever or it's just a... Um, it's just an aspect of, of of what happens when when the world recycles, when a story recycles. But for me, it's 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 the most fascinating story in games for me because I can't shake it and I keep falling into it and I keep noticing new stuff, um, and it it just doesn't leave my mind. And and Bendrick is a character that um, is incredibly resonant in that regard. And I'm sure there's there's tons of that that maybe I've I've got wrong or I'm not completely <laughs> sure about, but. Um, just rolling that around in my mind or finding new stuff about it is is just a um, a piece of wonderment for me. And I know you. How, how good the... is the moment? Oh, the when, when you when you've actually run into him, when you've had this whole thing where you keep reading him and item descriptions, and you know that he's this uh, this king who went to war and everything, and then when you actually walk into his arena, it, um, it it's really really wonderful moment. It's like it's a really good spot. It stopped my heart and in. Um, in Scholar, when you see that there's this, this almost this this whole like dark lightning covenant that are there to to honour their king, that there are dead that surround him that 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 just want to be around their king, um, to me suggests that this is this is a man of of great deeds and great daring, and like I say, there are atrocities absolutely laced throughout that, um, but. For me, he was trying to find the greater good, the right answer. And it, fables and these sort of stories always tell us that people do this, 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 this. And, oh, maybe there's, there's something that happens here that's not so good, but then they triumph. And there are just so many uncertainties there. I think he's such a, a brave character and he makes it such a, a resonant fable. In the, in the way mm. that, you know, so many stories are Disney-fied these days, but... There's no right answer. This is a man going on instinct, and especially when when we go back into the memories as well, and we see what he fought, we see mm-hmm. what he beat, and this was this was amongst all the curse going off and everything. Um, but he travelled uh, to to get something that would breathe life into the lifeless, that would animate husks as an aspect of would this work? 
And he did that. He did all of these things to try and rescue his people. And so many of them were horrible. And so many of them were, were brilliant. But that's what makes him such a fascinating character for me. And um, mm. yeah, I, I, I love that you can play with Aldia as well with him. Like for, yeah. for a while, my entire understanding of their relationship was was Vendrick says to Aldia, like, yo, fix the curse. And then Aldia does all that horrible stuff. And then Vendrick's like, yo, stop fixing it. No, you've no, you've done it bad. Um, but no, like, and, and how did you find the the scholar stuff as well? Like when you you go back into the memories after you've you've got the crowns, that must have been good for you. Yeah, yeah, it really was. <laughs> I, I I I I'm fascinated by this game. It's, it's it, I keep going on about it, but I can't shake it. I genuinely can't shake it. And every time I return to these worlds, it, it still fascinates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I love Vendrick. He was on my like long list and, and got knocked down, but I do really like him a lot. Um, a lot for that moment and a lot for this. Uh, him being like he did, he did win. He's also, um, you know, was trying hard and does did kind of laid low. Like he is a really tragic figure. And when you think about it as him being um, trying to return humanity to his people, uh, being arguably laid low by this aspect of humanity, um, you know, if Nishanda represents anything, it's want. Uh, and that's one of the things that they, they underline in three. You know, he's the king of want. It was the kingdom of want. Mm. Um, this kind of thing. This, like, really base human desire kind of undercutting him does have that fable-like quality. It's a really good word for it. But if you if you compare him to, uh, to Gwyn, Gwyn was mm. someone who soured and became nastier. And eventually, uh, for me, at the end of, of Dark Souls, was, was looking for the person to kind of rid him of that, to... To, yeah. to take that away. And Vendrick is someone that saw things going sour around him and took action. And, mm-hmm. and there were no right answers. Um, and that, to me, it, it, it feels like someone that's ruled a kingdom. And we see that kingdom far and wide. We see it spread everywhere. We see the wars that he's had. We've seen the, um, the, the different places surrounding that. It feels... It feels like a voluptuous place, um, and that to me adds to adds to it a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my number two is uh, patches, uh, like yes. pan pan patches, patches across the series. <laughs> um, I think the thing that he does with Sigurd in three is the funniest moment uh, that the series has done. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. It's so goofy, and like it's so goofy, and it's intentionally funny. But it's really, it's pretty sharp, you know, in in how, how dumb it is. Like him just doing the, oh, uh, you know, the voice, uh, like the talk boy, <laughs> you know, hey kids, home early, kind, kind of voice uh, for this, uh, just slays me. Like it is just, uh, is, is really, really good. And, you know, he ends up, I, I kind of like that he ends up doing a couple, you know, he even gets this kind of good, good guy moment uh, briefly in this. Like if they're going to do, you know, if this is the goodbye and part of the reason why there's so much player aggrandizement and Dark Souls 1 aggrandizement in Dark Souls 3 is so they can kind of do their, their victory lap or their, their remix victory lap kind of thing. Uh, giving Patches a friendly send-off uh, sounds pretty, you know, feels pretty good to me. And he's, he's good in every incarnation. Like, I, you know, when he shows up as a spider monster in Bloodborne, uh, I was... I laughed <laughs> and was just like, this is, you know, ridiculous. And then, uh, you know... Uh, I like Pete, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, Peter Fisterapanowicz does really wonderful voice acting, and that ends up being one of the most fun kind of mysteries of that game, kind of puzzling out Peyton and Crate. Um, Peyton and Crate. 
<laughs> Pete and Crete. Yeah, Pete and Crete, the uh, the artisanal barber shop down the street from my house in, in Oregon. The um, but uh, you know, puzzling that out is very fun. And in three, he's just like a joy every time he shows up to do something because it is so so devious and so goofy. You know, it's 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 something that um, because you can cosplay as any character you want in these games because they're just defined by their armor. And having a character within the game kind of play to that is very funny. <laughs> Like, play by the same rules that I could. I thought that. Um, yeah. So that is, uh, Patch is my number two. Uh, what do you got, Patty? Who's your number two? Number two, hang on. Let me just back up for one second. Hang on. Praise the sun! <laughs> oh. It's Celeste. <laughs> I was going to... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's Mothlin from Dark Souls 2. Uh, no, it's... it's <laughs> Because it's fucking Solaire. Like, mm-hmm. it was the second easiest one to write down without even thinking. Like, it's the poster boy. It's the ray of light. It's the hope in the darkness. It's the first and the best friend that you have in Dark Souls. Like, until that point in the game, everything has been trying to kick you in the dick. Um, even the Crestfallen Warrior at the start just tells you, you can't do it. Don't even try. Why are you trying? He tried. He failed. Why did he try? Um, he's the first outside of beating the Taurus Demon I think he's the first moment of like happiness and like victory and smiles the game gives you and the fact that meeting him is what opens up cooperation and gives you the option to help other people like that's a lovely bit of work like that shows Mm -hmm. you that that shows you what he's about like that he's a friend he's had a help he wants you to do well and he wants to do well he's he's a nice guy you know, he's the most helpful person in the game, and he's the one who teaches you how to help people. That's brilliant. Um, he's got the most memorable um, or memorable dialogue in the yeah. game. Thank you, everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, with all the gross incandescence and the praising of the sun and et cetera, et cetera, which sort of helps cement him as the character. It makes him quite easy to be the, the poster child. Um, but, like, outside of the, the, the praise the sun stuff and the gross incandescent stuff, like, he's actually got a real proper arc in the game. Mm. Uh, he's got a plot line that you can follow, and it's not just man does thing well, end. Um, mm. he starts all hope, you know, hopeful and friendly, and he's he's telling you about his own quest that he's trying to find his own son, and you know bits of the the whole Gwyn's firstborn stuff, whatever. That's not the, the important part at this point. Um, as he moves on, you sort of see him start to lose faith in his quest a bit. He's looking around for his son, uh, and he can't find it. Uh, and as you sort of start hitting Isolith, he's he's given up. He's despondent. He's hopeless. He doesn't know what to do with himself. Um, and if like anyone who didn't have any like cheeky tips before playing the game, you don't know to go to uh, to lovely Spider Lady and open up the shortcut and go fix the bugs. Like Solaire will find his son, and mm-hmm. in the worst way possible. Um, I, I found him gone uh, at the back of Lost Isolith, running around with the maggots around him. Um, gone absolutely. He was gone. He wasn't Solaire anymore. He, he'd lost his mind. And again, like, it's Sigmire again. Like, they made me kill him. And that was just one of the minutes where I did it and I put the controller down and I just sort of sat there for a minute going, oh, no, I've killed my friend. And, like, you think, could I have saved him? Like, I know that you can. Like, I knew that you could take him to the final boss. But I was like, what did I do wrong? How did I 
fuck this up. Like he was, I was helping him. He was helping me. What, what did I do? I, I, I looked quite inwardly when I killed Soleil. I was like, what, what did I do wrong? I must have been me. Um, the fact that that you can do this really sort of quite roundabout thing to save him is probably the one thing about his quest. Like I don't like. I don't like that it's really sort of yeah. Uh, do this. Give thirty humanity to this character. Why? There's, there's no way you would want to. There's nothing to signal it. It's no, bad signaling. You don't know yeah. about it. Um, like if, if like a character, egg. yeah, if, if a yeah. character had said something like, "Oh, watch out for the maggots if they get on your head," you know, or the you won't like that. Like maybe that would have been enough to point out. You know, maybe you should try going out the other side. But without like a guide, like I don't think many people would have would have found that. You know, um, and but when you do save him, and when you do take out the bugs first um, and bring him through to the end. Having him, your first, like your first best friend, having him help you take out Gwyn, the final boss, potentially his dad, depending on how you fall on the law Mm -hmm. these days. Like the fact that he comes through and he is the one that helps you beat the end of the game. It's magical. And it's a, a nice end for his story. You know, he's, I guess he found his son. Uh, Maybe it was his dad. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's Soler. Like, there's not much. I, I don't know much else I can say about Soler. It's Soler. Like every how, time you how, see him, you smile. How do you feel about um, the the way that his legacy has been numbed at this point? Uh, let me uh, let me respond with a sound effect. <gasps> <laughs> I, mm, why? Why, Dark Souls 3? Why? Why did you do that? Three hates Solaire. Like, it's not only... It's not enough for him to not be Gwyn's firstborn, but they also... Lots of insinuations that he's made into soup. Um, <laughs> clearly, it's just like... I a, just and you listened can, to that episode of Bonfire Side Chat, and yes. <laughs> it is... It's, it's you can see the, the creator... It's like when somebody creates something, but they didn't think it was that special... You know, and then they, they look, why are the fans glomming onto that? Why are, why aren't people freaking out about Ingi? You know, or something like mm. that. So they, they, they are, it feels kind of spiteful the way that that character has been treated, uh, in that series. And like, one of the things I can think about when you're talking about him introducing a cooperation, uh, that I really like is that, uh, he didn't need this huge, like, backstory. He's kind of there to serve a gameplay function first, which is to explain how co-op works and how worlds intersect. Right, so he, he's he's the one who tells you, uh, you know, time and space are convoluted in Lordran. Like that is the uh, all-purpose spackle for lore theories, right? Like you can just put that over any crack. Like, it, oh, this timeline doesn't match up. Well, time and space are convoluted. Who cares, right? And that is became a lore thing, but kind of started as just a reason for other players to be going on their own adventures in mm. canon and help you out. And he's a character representation of that. The fact that they went so all out to actually give him this very kind of tragic story and this kind of nobility and everything, I think probably surprised the people making the game a little bit, uh, you know, or that like they went and did that, which is the extra mile. The fact that that was a so resident rather, I think probably surprised the people making the game a little bit, um, you know, and that is why, uh, you know, he's kind of grudgingly, you know, the praise of the sun is kind of grudgingly included in two. And then in three, it's like, Nope, it's not him. And also he's soup and maybe he's a, he's a worm and he's all these low things. Uh, because we hate him too, you know, or, you know, or we hate him. Like, you guys don't hate him, but we do. The worst I thing is, you know, just a guy. Like he's but just the, yeah. a guy. There's the aspect in Dark Souls that that often so the game can become, you know, oppressive and kind of uh, uh, 
can be, be dark and, and, and really wear any soldiers on, on your shoulders. And, and then it's just like, oh, hello again. And it's just this, this real um, infusion of, of positivity and the way that then plays out when you get to Isleth and you see him broken is just a huge part of, of, of the heart of the first game. And I, I, whilst I'm wondering if one of the DLCs may kind of rescue his legacy in a, in a, in a different way, I'm, I'm not sure that they're going to do it. And numbing legacy of one of you one of your your most popular and, and, and greatest characters it just seems strange to me mm. Mm. it's very much his inclusion in three like the armor you can find is very much a remember this like yeah doesn't seem yeah. like the law law wise for him they're like ah you're all wrong like all the, the yeah. firstborn son theories it, it was just basically a big nah no no just a just a bloke just a guy, yeah. Just a regular, just an average guy. Ugh. Dark Souls One. Yeah. That's where the, the law should have ended for me. Like, stop there, and everything is fine. Yeah, and we're we're gonna get to that that episode. I do not like the uh, uh, Nameless King lore stuff at all. No. Um, it's. I mean, it's fine on its own as like a character and stuff, and he looks like a cool van illustration. But it is. Uh, it it kind of bugs me. So, and, and the fact that it wasn't enough just to have it be a thing, it has to actually take the place of something else. Like, he's not, mm. you know, been second born or something like that. Like, <laughs> you know, and then just the, the fact that so much of uh, the character, what we knew about Gwen's firstborn, which we thought was Solaire, is part of a mistranslation, you know, where it was like he lost the records and was expunged. And that feels like something Solaire would do since he's kind of losing his mind and can't tell the difference between uh, a solar body and a bug. But then when you find out that's a translation thing and he was lost to the records, like his name was lost, mm. uh, you know, and that it just kind of feels like revisionist history. Like it just it, made, it worked. I feel like it worked pretty well. And I know a lot of people who didn't, who never liked Solaris Firstborn, but just to, it's not even enough just to make him not the Firstborn. You have to make him like a figure, you know, a nobody and or mm. literal soup. Um, that's the part that bumps me out. It feels, it feels kind of... Um, like aggressive, or it feels a little bit hostile to me. Mm. Um, but he yeah, I think, does uh, taste good, though. It is. It does look pretty good. It looks like squash, uh, <laughs> squash soup, which uh, which I enjoy. Um, CD, who's uh, who's your number two? My number two is Manhunter O'Hara. I, I had to look up who Manhunter O'Hara no, really? is. Again. No. Yeah. No, <laughs> I'm sorry. She's, she's, um, she's part of my Justice League of Scholars. Especially from Electric <laughs> Ponyland, but she's, she's confidence, poise, brilliance, the suave and grace of Bayonetta, carrying that massive lightning bow, incredible visual power. She's our Wonder Woman, and she's chuffing tops. I remember going into Scholar and summoning her in the run towards Duke's Dear Freya. Um, I cleared the summoning room out of the, of the spiders before bringing her in. So the sheer widescreen of walking into that massive room full of webs and spiders and watching Lassie just stand there, raise that great bow and just start like, zoom, 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 like start picking them off from distance. My jaw dropped. I laughed. The sheer spectacle was just marvellous and I bloody loved it. Um, and she continued in, in the big spider's bedroom and it was a joy. Um, she's there just before uh, the Iron King fight as well. And like I say, she, she turns up in Electric Ponyland uh, along with uh, Van Gaal and a few of the others. Um, 
and I just I just think she's an amazing visual. Uh, she's a great character, and she's um, I don't know. I'd I'd, I'd love somebody like um, uh, one of the sort of big Dark Souls artists to uh, um, to just do me a poster of all of those NPC summons from Dark Souls too, because I think they're great. Um, but Manhunter O'Hara is is definitely my favorite. Yeah, I, I I like the the summons in general, but other than uh, uh, Jester Thomas um, and uh, Bashful Roy, it is uh, it's hard for me to remember specific ones. I didn't know this. I, I'm looking at this thing, but I guess um, you can summon her in the Iron Keep uh, mm-hmm. here. And if you saw this, where if you summon her, um, instead of helping you fight, she just will bow to you over and over. <laughs> yeah. um, which is which is either like a bug or just it's it's somebody trolling you as a summon. Mm. Because that's a uh, scholar is where they started kind of fucking with the uh, the lines and making NPC invaders do things that regular human invaders would do. But there were there were loads that's, of sort of female characters like Steelheart Ellie and Devotee Scarlet who yeah just, who would just get properly stuck in there that wouldn't just sort of ponce about they would they would just have gusto and like I'm sure it was um, whether it be uh, it might be, might even be Devotee Scarlet when you're in uh, um, the undead crypt. Who just when when you summon them through, just go tearing off and will hit the mm. first thing that's there. Which um, in that case is the uh, the the kind of the guy that actually holds the torch and will continue to hold the torch if you don't kill him um, and, mm. won't, and won't fight you and stuff. But she just cannons straight in there and punches the crap out of that lad um, and will properly properly get stuck in. Um, and I, I genuinely love all of these um, these summon NPCs in, in Dark Souls 2. As we said earlier, I think they're so full of personality and uh, the visuals are fantastic. Um, but, you know, Manhunter R is my, my favourite of those. I just think the, the, uh, the you know, the, the kind of puffy Duran Duran kind of uh, blouse on sort of shirt. And then like the, mm-hmm. what I thought initially were, were shorts, but he's that short skirt. And then you've got the... Uh, uh, the the heels and then that massive great bow and the the wonderful kind of uh, um teal type Ferris sort of pointy hat. It's just they even when she's when she's not attacking, she's standing there. She's got the the great bow slung like a guitar, um, and she's kind of looking down, and the, the hat just looks really cool. And it's I just think it's an amazing visual, and uh, I, I it's one of those that really stood out. For that particular moment, when in, in Scholar, when I when I brought her in, it just turned what you know something that I I already knew about um, into something completely and utterly widescreen. I I, I loved it. Mm-hmm. I, li- I like the description of the outfit because it makes it sound like one of those sort of Halloween store like sexy Robin Hood costumes. <laughs> <laughs> just like short yeah, skirt, yeah. heels, heels, maybe a hat. Um, and then, like, a comedy plastic bow, maybe with one arrow, with a sucker yeah. on the end. She's my girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the fashion game is super on point with that character as well. The, um, I like her too. Or, so we, we are number ones, I think. Mm. Yeah. Um, if you have, uh, if you have one sentence about anybody who didn't make it on the list, what, what do you have? Like, let's not do a whole entry on them, because then it eliminates the whole point of having, uh, you know, narrowing it down at all. But if you have one sentence, do either of you guys have uh, one last thing? Hmm. Uh, don't know. I think um, I think really kind of my my uh, my last one would have been uh, uh, sort of Navlan. 
uh, as I mentioned mm. earlier. But uh, hmm. I am I, I'm curious as to as to how the forlorn is going to going to tie into uh, uh, that Dark Souls three DLC as well. The um, if if I have to do or if I had one one thing, somebody who I I really like who I I don't think gets tons of credit is uh, Ingi. I joked about him earlier, mm-hmm. but I like him as the secret like one of the worst people in Dark Souls one. <laughs> Um, is this traveling force of corruption who poisoned the swamp and did just terrible things and has this, this woman who, you know, sucks the poison out of her people and, uh, serves without really knowing. Uh, that's a great little story. Um, my, my secret one, again, I mentioned it as a joke earlier, but I, I actually do like Mofflin, the armorer from Dark Souls 2. I think he's, oh, he's, nice, he's fantastic. Yeah, he's got a yeah, nice tale of hollowing and he just kind of loses himself as the game goes well, on. He, if you start buying stuff, he doesn't really go hollow. He starts getting like, I mean, he does eventually, but he he starts kind of dressing like a rapper. Like he gets, he starts getting, and he gets like a posture, like "What up, son?" It's really great. Like alpha male funny. sitting, alpha male sitting on a bus, like white yeah. legs. Like, nah, this is my seat. Yeah, it's sitting here. He, he man spreads like crazy, and it's it's very funny. Like when I first found that happening, like again, very very funny. Um, he's great. Do you know? I actually, I um, like him so much. I nearly wrote a rap about him. <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm not even kidding. I've got it on my computer somewhere. You can have that later as a secret. Um, yeah, I, I liked him that much. I started writing a rap. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, the um, so getting getting to number one. Uh, my number one is Siegmeier, uh, which I you know shouldn't surprise anybody. Um, and the Siegmeier, everything you guys said about Siegmeier is true, but the reason why I think Siegmeier is so good, which is part of the reason why. Uh, Siegward is such an insult to everything I love about these games. Um, is that the, uh, so he represents, um, you know, all these things that you want to have a Dark Souls NPC represent. Like he's a solid bro. Like he's good. You know, so having somebody who is good hearted in the middle of these games is rare and, and refreshing. Um, and he does have this like bravery aspect. You know, you talked about with like, uh, EMB video, EMB's video. Mm. Um, but my favorite thing about this, uh, if, you know, Halloween can be dementia, you know, that's one metaphor for it. Uh, or is just depression, which you talked about, CJ. Mm. Um, this is such a good illustration of a specific kind of depression or a specific kind of truth of the human condition that I haven't seen articulated uh, this well through play, uh, and that is that people need a purpose, um, which is a, a, there's science behind that. That's 100% a true thing. Uh, if you retire, if you no longer have a reason to live, if you are single, uh, you know, as, as as you get old, you're more likely to die. Uh, you don't have kids. You're more likely to die. You don't have a reason to stay alive. Um, Siegmeier is like a very, like a ludic, like a gameplay expression of that that need to have a purpose. And by thinking you're doing good through this whole game, you're robbing him of this thing that he needs to live uh, through the whole game. Every single time you get to this problem and solve something for him, you're taking away something so spiritual and necessary and elemental to being a person without even knowing it. Uh, so when I had that realization and like understood this quest line and knew what I had been doing while with all of the greatest intentions of the world, um, it didn't have that kind of, uh, you know, it felt like it was, it felt like it, it crossed the boundary from a video game to real life. Like, mm. oh, this, this is a, a real thing that people have that I feel all the time, you know, um, something I said, like, a, 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 or something I wrote like a long time ago in, um, a piece of fiction for a class, uh, was, was like, and it's a little couplet and uh, like pat myself on the back. Um, something I've always really liked is, uh, you know, don't worry about why the flowers need the rain. Worry about why the water needs the rain. You know, like something needs to have a purpose, like something mm. needs to, you know, to be to an end 
to to be useful and to be good. Um, and that's that's what secret is, you know. And it, it's very hard. It's difficult to provide that for somebody. It's difficult to respect that because it's, and in the game it is. Like if you want to uh, take this person who's like frankly not very competent, um, you know, and not great at what he's doing, if you want to make him succeed, uh, you have to, you know, it's hard. You know, you have to give him, you have to throw him this bone. You know, he has to, he has to feel like he's worth it, but he also has to be protected. And like that, that feels like what we do with the, you know, each other, what people do with their kids, you know, this kind of, uh, there's an element of it that just feels very like, like a human relationship, uh, to it. And then just to have, like, you go through that, um, and because it's Dark Souls, like, it doesn't have a good ending, you know, but he can go and he can, uh, you can kind of finish this, this thing out. Um, and then when you actually finally come across him and his, his daughter has had to put him down for the last time because he does, you know, he is this kind of incompetent. Like, that's a whole other thing. It doesn't really relate to the first theme, but it's also this very sad moment and very amazing image of walking on the beach and having these two people dressed, frankly, ridiculously. Um, but there's so much dignity to the scene because of that context you bring to it. It's one of my favorite moments in that game. Um, it's my favorite thing about Ash Lake. And the moments leading up to it are my favorite things that, my favorite thing that Dark Souls has ever done with an NPC is illustrate that that truth. It doesn't feel like it came from a video game. Like, I can't think of another game where uh, you are hurting by helping and it's not just, you know, oh, humans were the real monsters all along or, oh, you've got the fox die virus or something like that. Like, it's not cheap. It's just people need a purpose. That's And don't don't take that from them. That's amazing. You know? I love really that. amazing. Yeah. That's going to stay on my mind. That's the sort of stuff that does stay on my mind. Yeah. So I've never really thought of um, the the aspect of um, of Onion Bro with regards to, um, you know, personally with the, the aspect of being paralyzed by depression as well, of just stopping and sitting and not not being able to kind of take the next step. Um, I'd never thought that about um, about seeing him in the first game, but now that's that's one of those things that just lodges in my mind and, and kind of I, I, I tend to keep thinking about. So, But that was really eloquent. Thank you, man. That was fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah it, is, it is. He's a, That's why he's my number one guy. And that's why, you know, and, and I'm going to talk about in the next mainline episode after recording this, but like, Sigurd's not an inversion of that or anything. He's not like, he doesn't play with that. You know, like you, you take all the iconography from this character that has a lot of meaning and don't do anything with it. Mm. You know, he's just, uh, a he's a good buddy. Goof. He's a bumbling goof who happens to be like, he's a good friend to Yorm. You know, he's like a patch that was put on to make Yorm mean something. Mm. Uh, and, and to make me feel good about seeing him. And at first it's like, oh, this is going to be an inversion because every time I get into a fight, Sigurd's going to save me. It wouldn't be have that same kind of universal truth, but it would at least be an inversion. But then right after that, Sigurd's up to his own dipshit tricks, you know, and just imme- immediately, or Sigurd, like, immediately starts being incompetent. And you immediately start to save him, but to no end. You just save him, and it's for nothing. He doesn't have any kind of confidence. He doesn't care. He just needs to get to the end of this thing, you know? Um, it's just, it's a cheap version. It's a copy of a copy. You know, it feels like a, a lesser version of the same kind of character. Yeah. I know you've asked this and question, but how did he get in that hole? Oh, in the, in the, uh, uh, the well? How do you fall down a well that bad and lose all your armor? How does that even happen? I don't, I, you know, and the well doesn't go anywhere. I thought we'd end up finding that place at some point. Mm. Like, we'd go down in the basement of the cathedral and, like, there'd be a cave or something that led to that well. 
Do you think I have no idea how I got in there. told him, like, take off your armor to climb down the well because there's a shiny? That's my guess. That's, yeah. pro- that's probably pretty... And then that's how he got the armor. Mm. So that probably follows. Either that or Maybe. the 18 banana skins around the well that he sort of yeah. combo slid over. <laughs> 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 hey, oh. He Mario Karted it, yeah. Oh, flying I mean, off left, right, and center. Yeah. I I enjoyed Dark Souls Three a lot, probably probably more than more than most. Um, and there's still aspects of the story that um, still fascinate. And I you know I, I really love the world. I think the bosses are fantastic. But there is this overriding feeling that I have that whilst everybody was jumping up and down and going like Miyazaki's back, this is great. That if Miyazaki's name wasn't on Dark Souls Three, people would have battered it because mm-hmm. I I saw uh, what Tanamura went through. Um, within rescuing Dark Souls 2, um, within creating the um, the astonishing Three Crowns trilogy, and then going into um, Scholar, and the sheer bravery and pride of that man, and the shitstorm that, that he and the game sort of uh, uh, drew in, that if Miyazaki's name wasn't on Dark Souls 3, I think people would be battering it for the things that he does with the law. Mm. And Dark Souls 2 at least had the sincerity to tell its own story. And whilst there were, you know, nudges and winks, um, really uh, uh, in, the, in the same way as like, uh, you know, Robin Hood was a myth that was told throughout the country and was adapted by uh, the poor and the, and the rich and it went all over the place. There was that real feeling in the second game that of, I don't know, leaning into the law without being specific or without sort of going, oh, and then this happened. Um, mm. And I, I don't know. I just get the feeling that that Maizaki's name's b- being on it has given it somewhat of a free pass. It's also when he was during the beginning development, like he was still <coughs> working on Bloodborne and the Bloodborne DLC. Like he's not, mm. he doesn't have authorship over it, and he's also the president rather than like a lead designer mm. for Dark Souls Three. He doesn't have authorship over it the same way he did with Dark Souls One or Demon Souls, which is what people want. Well, it was still no, the, that's still the, the point before he became president, wasn't it? That he was working on Dark Souls Three. I, I, th- I thought it happened. I thought it happened partway through. It's either well, okay. it's that and the fact that he was. I mean, I could be wrong about that. So, uh, you know, you could be definitely be right. But there's, I know that it is not something that is like he helmed the entirety of too. Mm. Like there are other teams that worked on different areas uh, because when it started, he was working on Bloodborne. Um, which is so there's like there's three Miyazaki 100% led games and it's mm. you know Dark Souls, Demon Souls, and Bloodborne, um, and then both three and two are melanges because he was very heavily involved in the Crowns stuff. I don't know if that's entirely him, but that's I know that he was brought in to help with those. Um, people who know more about this are screaming. <laughs> who are listening? To this are like freaking out because it's like you know uh, I could I I just don't want to stop and look it up now mm. you know while I'm a uh, you know, everybody who complains about minor errors on a podcast uh, should have to, you know, stop and wait while somebody looks up something on Wikipedia every no, single time they have a question. You see these things on side side chat, so it's true. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, there that is there is that you've you've raised the bar. So, uh, yeah. so whereas we can kind of yeah. jam on this and they just go like, that's that's really not right. I just just twitting that's, that's, that's there's there's a lot of stuff that I, I will get wrong on that stuff too, just because you know, hum- you know, hundred percent of all memories are false. Well, that's part of the fun, um, though, isn't it? Because yeah, we're not yeah. supposed to like know everything, but it's it's fun to kind of get your own perspectives or you know opinions one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, who's your uh, who's your number one guy, Betty? Speaking of getting perspectives differently than everyone else, uh, my favorite 
uh, character from the whole franchise uh, from Dark Souls 1 is Lautrec. Hmm. Um, here comes some controversy. Um, I really, really like Lautrec, and I think he gets an absolutely like bad rap that he does not deserve. Um, because for me, uh, the, when I meet Lautrec, he is the character whose goals have most aligned with the way that I like to play these games, um, which is the Age of Fire can do one. Um, mm-hmm. Because the thing I got from the intro is that in the beginning there wasn't anything, and then fire turned up, and everything got screwed up. So the fire bad is what I got from the intro. Fire bad. And all of Lord Trek's lore points to him wanting to turn off the fire, from what I read into it. Again, people are screaming at me in, yeah. their, fu- in their cars or at work. Um, but no, you're all wrong. Um, he, like... He, so the first time you meet him, he's locked up in a room above a dead firekeeper. Um, he kills Anastasia at Firelink um, to turn off the Firelink fire. Um, that is not fuck you to the player. I think that's him freeing her, maybe? Because she's mm. trapped under there in a cage under the fire and she can't talk, whether she's been sort of, you know... She's talked herself into the fact that talking is bad, because when you regenerate her, her tongue comes back and she doesn't want it. Um, I I think maybe he's freed her, perhaps. That's how I read that bit. Um, he's really... he's Killing firekeepers means fires go out, which pushes the Age of Dark 2016 agenda um, mm. for me. Um, like when you invade Anor Londo to get him, it's dark, so he's killed Guinevere, assuming she was a firekeeper. Um... Like for me, he's he's seen through um, the sort of the 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 maybe the lie, I guess, um, about wanting to rekindle the flame and to to restart the the new age of fire. He he's heard all that and he's he's not agreed with it. He's said no, I'm I'm not doing that. Uh, whether he's been also manipulated by Carth, probably because he's also seems to be up to humanity. Um, again, this is just my read of the law, so if, if people are screaming at me, I'm really sorry, but this is how I saw it. Um, he wants an Age of Dark to stop all the fire, and like the way I see it, all the bad stuff in the game comes from the fire, and turning off the fire is right. And when I played Dark Souls 1 the first time, I, well, by accident, admittedly, but I chose the dark ending um, by walking away from the fire. I think because I was going to try and meet you, CJ, to do the last boss with you, and I walked out to go put my summon sign down and <laughs> kicked off the ending. I was like, ah, right. Okay. Mm. But after reading into it and, you know, reading how the endings play out. And again, I am at this point cutting off. Like, I'm taking Dark Souls 1 as its own thing. The ending of Dark Souls 1 being the end. And I know there's further lore on, but I, I don't think it affects how I feel about it. My read was that when you hit the dark ending, you have turned off the fire and you are done. And it is finished. And I think that is what Lord Trek was also trying to do. Um, and sure, he's got an evil laugh, but that doesn't make him an evil guy. You know, just because someone goes, eh, 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 you know, we've got an auntie who laughs like that. She's not evil. She's a great shake. You know? Mm. Uh, and he might behave in a bit of a dickish way, but he's doing things that are pursuing an agenda for him and to try and change the world. He never actually ever lies to you. Everything he tells mm-hmm. you is true. And I got that from you, Gary. 
Yeah. The first yeah. season of On Five Second Chat. Like he and I went back and I looked over all his dialogue and every single bit of it is true. You know, he tips you off he, about He also warns you. Yeah, he also is warns you about other people who are kind of blackguards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He he tells you about other people that suck. Um and look I because I think he's a good guy. You know, he might kill people, but I mean, so did you. You've killed <laughs> loads of people. You've killed tons of people. Like, he's he's trying to force a change in the world, and it's not just for himself. Sure, it's because of his devotion to his God, but he's he's trying to fix the world in his own way. He is probably the most selfless character in the game, evil laugh and all. Please, Internet, send me your fire. I am ready for you. <laughs> you, you get the sense uh, from him that um, even, you know, regardless of his motivations for what he's doing, mm. he is... Uh, you know, kind of sees through bullshit. Like, he's kind of got that kind of character for him. Like, especially with him telling you about, you know, telling you about Petrus and stuff. It's just kind of like, no, you know, he kind of knows, because you're being played through all of Dark Souls 1, and you get the sense almost that he kind of knows it early on. I think he's watched the lore videos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, uh, yeah, he's he's a great character. Like, he's he's really good. I don't know, people who hate him, I think they hate him, like, they think he's a bad person. I, I think people like him as a character, though. Yeah. Um, a lot of really great memories yeah. of, of Lothrak. His, his line when you meet him in, uh, when you invade him in, in Anor Londo, and he says, like a moth fluttering towards the flame. It's like, that's yeah. beautiful. That's just him telling you, yep, you've been told the fire's there, and you've just gone for it without thinking like a dick. Like, he's told you you're dumb for not thinking about this. Mm. I love it. I love it so much. Um, yeah, like, he's he's brilliant. And I even, I think I've seen him without the helmet off, and he looks, like, super 90s, but super cool. With, like, <laughs> that sort of longish, curtained black hair and a bit of an evil face. But that's that's fine, Lautrec. I love you anyway. And his armor's so cool. I was just about to say, how cool is his armor? Like, oh. that's, that's really good. Best with, the, with, the, with the hands, the, the fingertips, is it? So, so his goddess can, can lift him up. And, yep, and ascend him. Embracing him in the middle as well. Yeah. Plus it's gold, which is just the most ostentatious thing in the world. Mm-hmm. It, it's basically the how room. I play games these days. If I can pick something that makes me look, you know, ridiculous and ostentatious, I'll do it. Um, yeah, it looks like Moffin. Yeah. Like, if you, if you can you can pull them off, then why wouldn't you? This weekend, when I was helping out uh, at an event, uh, a, a car show, we got to dress up all vintage and retro. I put on a patchwork leather jacket made out of scraps of leather. It was disgusting, but I felt like a million dollars. <laughs> like, it was one of the greatest things I've ever put on in my life. And I bought it, so it's mine yeah. now. Um, <laughs> so he's, he's got a sense of style. But I, I genuinely think he's trying to fix things in his own way. And that's mm. why I love him. Even though he's a bit of a knob about it, he gets the job done, or nearly does. So yeah, look yeah, great. I love you, man. <laughs> He's great. Yeah, good, good, good pick. What do you, what do you got, CJ? Is it, is it going to be a, an invader that I don't remember? It, 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 it isn't in this regard. Okay. Um, it's Armour of Dennis. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> um, my number one is, uh, is the Emerald Herald. Um, mm. My beautiful channel art. Uh, my Herald. Uh, returning to Medulla always, always affects me. And um, there's rolling waves, sure kissed by a rainstorm the pristine bristle of cold breeze and sunrises. There's just something about that place. Um, seeing her there on the shore, that just plain resonates with me. Um, the bearer of the cursed dialogue still cuts through me. 
Um, it's not as, as as jolly or funny or as, as full an answer as the others on my list, but it's the one which is instinctive, which I, I perhaps can't rationally explain. It's it's magical, um, and there's there's something that hits my heart of being back there, um, of seeing her there, almost like this this kind of you know end end of end of the life and seeing that the one person that's waiting for you on you know on on the other side or um those beautiful chimes that play while I'm there as well um for me it's possibly my favorite piece of dark souls music on uh that's there but i i enjoy seeing the journey throughout the game with with Shanlot, the um you know the the failed experiment and as to whether she's she's real or as to whether she's not or um i've seen loads and loads of theories of her um the voice acting is astonishing um that just truly makes me makes me believe and i i don't know it's one of those that's airs me in the heart um and i don't know we've spoken about about depression and stuff before but um there's there's something about um, that place and seeing her there on the sunrise that um, just hits me. <laughs> it's I, I can't I can't really I can't really sort of waffle much more than that. It's it's just I don't know. It's an emotional connection. It's a real uh, striking image when you first get down there and you see her on the the cliffside. Mm. There, like Majula is still my favorite hub um, mm. in the in the series, and and part of it's because it's like. You know, it's the best place to live in the series. Like, if you had to live somewhere, yeah, live in Majula. Um, you know, it's my favorite hub music, um, and a lot of that is just that kind of. You know, they're trying to make. I, I wish they had just let you level up in bonfires in uh, Three and Bloodborne, but they're trying to make that you know that feeling of going back to somewhere feel comforting, mm. and she's like a big part of that. You know, and the the way that she kind of creepy wastens you later in the game, like when you go see, you know, she's not there. You go talk to to Vendrick, and then you turn around. And then uh, she's standing there like she's been watching like the whole time. Mm. Uh, that's really cool, and, you know. And then and then that echoes that uh, that dialogue from the beginning that like you know, you know not why you're here thing. Um, super super cool. Um, yeah, she's great. Yeah. So yeah, that's 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 fine. She's great. She's great. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks guys. No, like, this, this, yeah, is, uh, this is this is real fun. Thank you. This is yeah. Yeah, this this was fun. Where um, people who are listening, where can they find you uh, online? They can find me at at Coffee Jesus uh, C O double F W E J E Z U S on Twitter. Uh, Daft Lad over there is at Hi. Paddy Stardust, um, and you can jump to uh, to the website and the different shows uh, from those. So that's probably the easiest way of doing it. Yeah, fantastic. And yeah, I know I know a lot of people listen to the show, listen to your show. But if you haven't given a shot, you definitely should. Oh, bless you, thank you. Um, yeah, yeah. Our, our last Dark Souls episode was only a month and a bit ago. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, well, today, I mean, this this kind of uh, there's more Dark Souls podcasts like creeping up all the time. You know, like it's uh, uh, <laughs> better sort the town, then, buddy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're on with it. We're being. Oh. I'm not realized we stopped. <laughs> no, no, I, I just mean that if, if uh, you know, if if there's enough, there's people out there who who just kind of have a bottomless appetite, you know, it feels like because uh, people, like a lot of people I know who listen to to our show, listen to kind of all of them, mm. you know. So they listen to Jeremy's show, they listen to your show, um, and that's you know, 
It's uh, there's a lot of people who are who are will just kind of go for it forever, um, which is more more time than I have. Like I want to support all my friends. I just like can't do that. But I'm glad that there are people who do. Hmm. You know. Yeah, I'm, that's, I'm uh, the same way. Like especially with Dark Souls three when it was coming out, I kind of I kind of purposely avoided Dark Souls chat because I didn't really like three that much. I thought mm. so, well, I enjoyed it the first time through, but then I kind of Im- immediately went eh. Uh, I just kind of soured on it and kind of needed a bit of a break. Um, I am catching back up now, though, and it's been a delight. I think time away is But this, this I like to, Yeah, I was the person that, that 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 didn't go near Bloodborne, so I got. I was the person that was that was uh, into uh, Dark Souls two and well, discovered for a sim when when Bloodborne was happening. So I've got a, lot, man. got a lot to catch up on. And the fact that all of my selections come from Scholar, uh, it shouldn't really be a surprise. Um, <laughs> but I chuffing love that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, good, uh, good, good times. Um, yeah, if you uh, if you are uh, listening to this, um, usually we have our Patreon uh, backers to thank for episodes. This is a direct result of the Souls of Darkness Kickstarter. Um, this is the final special episode I'm doing that. So for everybody who backed that. Uh, that project thank you guys very much and uh you know if you if you like these episodes if you like these special episodes i like doing them um you have those people to thank so thank me yes (laughs) thank yourself um (laughs) yeah absolutely um yeah so uh until next time uh hey guys what uh what should people what should people do flutter towards the flame break dance and eat biscuits both Good advices in different situations. Mm. But English biscuits, which are cookies, not that strange American one oh, that, you with, gotcha. that you have with ham and gravy or something. Yeah. I don't know. Breakfast are, bread. Are they like scones? Are they like cobs? Rolls? They're like, if you imagine like a non-sweet scone, that's okay. kind of what they, mm. they're like. Um, scones are sweet. I mean... So I guess not then. <laughs> it is not a. Um, that sounds yeah, like the most British rap line ever. <laughs> scones are sweet. <laughs> yeah, I never really realized that it might be difficult to explain a biscuit, uh, but I guess here we are. <laughs> See, right at the end of the podcast, we get to the real meat and potatoes. Yeah, how to explain biscuit? Yeah, um, yeah, like a non, like a non-sweet scone uh, fluttering towards a flame. <laughs> Mbasa. And we all pray that we will have far more soon.